How's everybody? It's been a while. I feel nervous. Just going to relax into this. So, um, if you have a problem with the preacher wearing shorts, talk to Warren. I got horribly sunburnt yesterday. I put my jeans on this morning and started sweating instantly. I said to Kath, I've got to wear shorts. She says, Oh, so any religious spirits there today? <laughs> Out in Jesus' name. Sorry, Dre. Oh, shorts. But he's probably watching at home, aren't you? Hi. The other thing is, how many ladies got invited to the men's event? How many wish they could come? Yeah. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. So, oh, good, I've been invited to a men's event. I was, just, I was doing the event, and then it just said, do you want to make this event? Because I've never done an event before. And they said, oh, yeah, I'll do an event. So, so I just pushed a couple of buttons, and who do you invite? Just everybody, and thinking that, it, yeah, you've got to itemise all the people. You've got to, I've learned something anyway. So, sorry, ladies. Next time, I'll invite you. Maybe not. Um, it might be totally inappropriate, so we couldn't do that. We wouldn't want to embarrass you. So anyway, we're here today. Uh, Dre at short notice, good on him. It's the second time he's done it to me in the last four months. Short notice preaching, and it's like, <laughs> and then Warren was like deciding whether he had COVID or not. So it's like, okay, I can see it's coming my direction. So this morning, I had a message that I was going to preach, and then as I was thinking about that, I went sideways on it and ended up with a completely different message. So it's all good. God comes through. Uh, when we least expect them to. <laughs> so, so hopefully this morning this will make sense to a degree and, and hopefully it will um, help you uh, in your involvement and in, in your life. And it's like the power of friendship and support, which is the role of the wingman. Can we get that first picture up, Ed? Who's watched um, Top Gun Maverick recently? <laughs> Ah, oh, the roar of the planes and the fast and the speed and the, and the banter. It's like it just gets you going. Hey, Owen, it'd be right up your alley, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's, it's awesome stuff. And I, I watched that there and I just realised that, you know, the wingman is talked about a lot in that movie. You know, like, who's, who's the wingman? And that's the plane that um, flies. This is what, actually, this is what it says. It says, um, the wingman meaning is there, there's always a lead aircraft and there's another which flies the right wing behind the lead. The second pilot is called the wingman because he or, he or she primarily protects the lead by watching his back. Traditionally, the main point of the wingman is to protect the flight lead. They watch for the engage the enemy that threatens the flight lead. This allows the flight lead to focus entirely on accomplishing the mission objective without having to worry about watching his or her tail. That sounds like what it's like to be a pastor. We need people on our wing to you know, watch us and to, to uh, guard us and to help us so that the main objective of the mission can be completed. And so I want to I sort of dive into this a little bit. Um, and it's um, like we have a very real enemy that wants to take us out. On any leadership level, you know, it's like when we, we have natural inclinations to, to step back or to, to, um, to protect ourselves is because there's an enemy that wants to take us out. Um, I like Irene. Is Irene here today? You're painting um, in, in the hub. We've got this painting. Irene did a painting. I believe it's a prophetic, prophetic painting for our church. And it's got the, I think someone else recently said this, but um, it's got a bunch of geese flying in formation. And if you've ever seen Canadian geese fly, they fly in formation. Not that the lead one is always the leader. They keep switching out with the next one, so they keep, they'll fall back in behind and, and uh, ride the slipstream. 
And I, I believe that the, the role of the wingman is, is for us is to actually slipstream and protect those that are around about us in a way that makes them able to complete the objective. So thanks, Irene. Every time we have staff meeting, we end up looking at the geese. Where I sit, I just see the geese the whole time. We had a, a friend a few years ago that um, went to, his, his wife and him went to Zambia to be missionaries. They had a heart for it. They met as, uh, on a mission trip. And so they had a family, three girls, and they went off to, to this country. And they were there for a couple of years. But what actually happened there was that the, the, uh, the, the guy fell in adultery. Uh, with the the the, uh, the ladies that were there, and uh, so then he got they got called home, which is like a tragic situation because like they got a heart for the people and it just things went pear shaped and they came home and I know that there was a support team put around the guy to, to help get him you know to, to get him back and and to uh, restore him and to you know just because he was feeling so terrible you know he was such a, a down guy but I was ended up doing a, pr- a building project with him and so we were busy working on the roof, actually, we were in a scissor lift, I can remember it quite clearly, we were in a scissor lift way up in these rafters, putting these rafters up, and, and he was working for me, because he had come back, he was a broken man, broken, broken man, and uh, we were working together, and it's just something he could do to try and, uh, to help him, you know, not be sitting in his own, stewing in his own juices, and as we were talking, and I was asking the hard questions as well, and, and we, were, we were just chatting away, and then he just stopped, and he looked at me, he says, man, can you be my wingman? And I'm like, man, I'll be your wingman. What the heck is a wingman? I didn't even know what a wingman was, but I thought it sounded good, so I'll say yes. And so I, I walked with him, and for, for quite a few years, you know, I had, um, we had, he had cattle at my place, and we, we just kept in touch. And, but the problem was that the thing that made me sad was that the, the team that was put around him actually failed him. Um, and that there was a lot of harshness, a lot of judgment, and a lot of, a lot of you know, telling off. And, and it was like, I was the right person to be his wingman. He asked me to be that, but I wasn't put into the team and I know that he got hurt and uh, looking back at it now I, I wished I was strong enough to say hey I need to be on this team I need to help this guy because he trusts me we've got relationship so it was a sad situation and and uh, I know that fortunately the marriage is still together and they're living well I don't know how involved in church they are anymore but um, there's a uh, <laughs> you know a an example of how we can actually come alongside someone and help them in their time of crisis I was writing this message. You know how sometimes you're writing a message. I already told you I've gone sideways on this from what I was going to say. I had a guy ring me um, just out of the blue. I hadn't talked to him for a while. And we spoke for about an hour. And, and it was like he, it's, I'm like his support guy. As, as I was writing this, I thought I'm his wingman. Because when he needs to have those deep discussions, I'm his father figure. I'm the spiritual dad that he, he never had. And so therefore, I'm that strength to him. So we spoke for an hour, and I was laughing, and I was talking about this message, thinking, it's funny that you rang right now, because um, I'm actually talking about, the, you know, the reason you rang is, sort of the, is the reason I'm speaking on Sunday. And then about half an hour later, I was over, and I was just talking to my neighbor, and he was explaining to his daughter, who's just come to live with him, um, the relationship, to, I'm just not a neighbor. And he said to his daughter, he says, well, he's like my mentor. And I thought, oh, cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm your mentor. That's good. And so I just sort of thought, man, that just sort of drives home the message that I'm trying to get across today. And I hope I, I do it justice. If we look in the Bible, we have this. Here's a, here's a friendship here where Jonathan sides with David. It's uh, King Saul's son, Jonathan. 
And it's like this relationship was not going to do Jonathan any favors. He was the king's son. He should have been the, the heir to the throne. He should have been the one that was going to take over. But there's something about David that Jonathan could see that his dad didn't have. And this is it. And if we read, read on a few here, it says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. So he was obviously in the presence. He would see his dad talking to David, and he could pick up something. There was something on David. Remember, David has been anointed to be the next king. And he said he loved him as himself. And from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to home to his family. It says, And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. And it's like, Jonathan is like becoming David's wingman. It's like, I see what's on your life and I see how my dad's treating you and it's not fair and I'm with you, buddy. And it's going to cost him. And 1 Samuel 20, there's a few other, I didn't do the whole lot because I could have read the whole chapter and I'm like, I'm not doing that. Jonathan said, if I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? David had to trust him too, of course. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. In verse 17 it says, Jonathan David reaffirmed, had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as himself. Then, of course, Saul, King Saul wasn't happy. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan. He said to him, you, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Isn't it amazing when our kids aren't doing the right thing, those guys just say, it's your wife, it's your mother. Your mother. If your mother hadn't, no, that's not true. It's normally it's your father. Don't you know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother who bore you? As long as, you, as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. He just, Jonathan just lost the kingdom right now because he decided, he decided to be a wingman to David rather than his father. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. And now it just got really serious. It's like David's going to die. And so Jonathan's got to protect him. So Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. Now, in that conversation, Saul threw a spear at Jonathan. So Jonathan knew that, oh, dad is an angry man. Needs some theophostic. And then Jonathan says to David, it says, if it's not safe for you to come, I'm going to let you know. And so he's shooting arrows out in the field beyond where, where David was. And he, and he just he had a thing. If I do this, if I shoot beyond you, that means it's not safe to come back. And so David, uh, Jonathan was acting as David's wingman. He was looking after David. He was saying, I'm not going to let you die at the hands of my father because I know what's on your life. The... Um, situation there is like they were like brothers even though they weren't related but then you look at Moses who was his wingman I can't do this God I I can't even talk and, and God says okay it's all right he says I'll send your brother as your wingman and he will speak for you on behalf of you and it's like often you know God uses family members to be your wingman there's my wingman it's my brother my brother Greg now, if you don't know the story, he died two years ago. We were on a hunting trip in Stewart Island, for those that don't know. Um, Stewart Island's a very safe place. And uh, we, we were in the sand dunes there, and he, he fell and got a 10-centimetre lupin stick in his eye, which he had to med medically get evacuated out by helicopter. 24 hours later, we thought he was just getting fixed. 
24 hours later, I get a, a message, well, not less than that, actually, saying, Uncle Lyndon, you need to get back because they're looking at taking Dad off life support. And it's like crushing. I can sort of talk about it now because I've done most of the grief journey. And, and it's like now we, us guys will just scramble, jumped on a helicopter in the morning, got back home. And I got to the uh, Dunedin Hospital and they were going to turn off his life support. We went from our, like, I think it was our seventh or eighth trip to Stewart Island. That was our go-to as brothers. Like, you know, we would hunt separately with different people and then we'd have, hunt together sometimes like this picture. And then, you know, then when we'd go to Stewart Island, it was our, our bro time. It was our time of hanging out, playing games, having laughs, enjoying the company, hunting deer. And it's just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And now it went from a fun trip to a disaster of a trip. And then two weeks later, because of um, strokes and aneurysms and all that sort of stuff, they turned off his life support and he died. Now, you know, you think, oh, it's just, you know, your brother died. That's just normal part of life. Well, it's, yeah, it is. But he was a healthy man. But the thing is, when he was struggling in life, he had, a, he had part of his life was that he, he was having some major issues. He was away from God and he was screwing up big time. And I was his wingman. You know, we would go hunting together. We wouldn't talk about the stuff that, that he was going through. And he felt shame around me. He felt guilty around me. But, but I always loved him as my brother. And I remember um, just sending him a, a birthday card to, uh, one time written on it that nothing about God. I just said, I love you for who you are as a person. That was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. After that, him and his wife both came back to God big time. So significantly that they impacted people. He had 800 people at his memorial service. Ex-cop, 28 years as a cop. So, um, Jerry, 28 years, bro. You've got to take a long way to go yet, haven't you? And it's like, he became my wingman. And then when I'm in leadership and that, he never had a leadership role because he was always policing. He was four days on, four days off, night shift and all stuff. So it was all over the place. But he impacted so many people's lives and he, he, was, he became the wingman for so many people. But I went from being wingman to him being my wingman. And he was so proud of me. And I remember when I became a pastor, you know, he was like the most proud brother. I said, oh, bro, I knew you could do that. And I'm like, I don't even know if I could do it myself. He said, no, you've yeah, built for this. And I'm like, why? And it was just a, just a powerful connection that we have. And, I, and God will use not only our own family, but he will use other people within the church family, within the Christian faith, to come alongside and promote you and to into, into protect you you know, I think, you know, old Maverick there was flying around there and he, he was, you know, he come down in his, in his parachute and he was going to get annihilated by the helicopter. And then old Rooster, who was his mate that he lost, Goose, I don't know why they use birds' names to name them, but anyway. Old Goose and Rooster, um, Goose's son, Rooster, he comes back as Maverick's wingman and takes out the helicopter just as he's about to get shot. And then Maverick tells him off and says, you're supposed to go back to base. He says, no, I was here to protect you and all those arguments. It was all good. Then they went and stole that other plane from the enemy base, which is awesome. If you haven't seen the movie, go and see it. It's good. Cheeky. It's great. But it, it just it showed the connection. It, was, it, it actually showed a family connection. He lost his dad. He lost Goose in a drill. And now his son Rooster you know, comes back and from being a bit edgy at the start they became best mates because they'd experienced something together and that's what we can experience together when we fly together there's times when you're the lead sometimes you're the wingman but when we go together it's exciting what about Esther and Mordecai during the time that Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate oh big Thana he was a big man 
and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. Why can't it be John? Gosh. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told the Queen Esther, who told in turn, reported to the king, something like that, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were impaled on poles. <laughs> Here's Mordecai. He comes in, and now he has a family connection here. He's the uncle of uh, Esther. And now he is seen to protect Esther because he was like her, his, her wingman. He had to also protect the king. Esther 4, 13 to 14 says, he sent back this answer. Do not think, he's talking to Esther now. He's saying, Esther, this is really, really serious. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, uh, and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. You are here today because you are here for this royal position in Cornerstone Church Rolleston for such a time as this. And so Mordecai becomes Esther's wingman. He not only saves the king, he saves himself, Esther, and all the Jewish people. And it's because he was in the right place. He was serving in the right place. He was a wingman for the king and Esther. I'm a granddad of eight grandchildren, an amazing bunch of grandchildren. And we were just sitting at the picnic table the other day, and two of the six-year-olds were on the table, dancing on the table, because we just had photos, and someone was goofing off, and they were just dancing on the table. And I was sitting on the picnic table thinking, these boys are uh, being crazy. But I, had the, I was just talking to someone, but I had the presence of mind that one of them put his foot off the table. You know what happens when you put the foot off the table when you're not looking at what's happening? He was crashing to the ground. So I, just out of the corner of my eye, I saw it disappear, and I just went back and poof, caught him. His head did hit the bricks, but I took 90% of it. He's got a flat head now. It's, he can do handstands easily. But he would have if I hadn't have caught him. And I was like, you know, I felt like Superman. It was like, I love my grandchildren. And, and I was like, I caught my grandson. And it's like, that's what it's like to be a wingman. It's like, or wingwoman. It's like that we're there to catch those that need catching and support those that need supporting. My other, my other grandson that didn't fall off the table, we were, he was in a kayak a couple of years ago and, and I went to jump on the kayak when he was sitting in it and I tipped him out into the water and just about drowned him. He doesn't trust me so much, so be careful when you're a wingman. It's hard to get him back into a kayak now because of that. We see this in action movies, don't we? You know, Gladiator, Braveheart, Kingdom of Heaven, whoever. Oh, we see in the action movies that we see, we see that the lead is protected by his mates. Um, the one that I, that I was supposed to have a picture of, there's a Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and it had oh, Azim, oh, Morgan Freeman. And you know, he got saved, and he said, no, now I'm going to be your wingman. I'm going to come with you, and I'm going to protect you. And he does that, mostly. <laughs> and it's like, you see that. I, mean, I love action movies, and it's, I, love, I think it's, I, love, I love the fact that the guys do it together. You know, Braveheart, you know, he's got his couple of guys around him that are his wingmen, you know, when he's in trouble and that, they're the ones that come to his aid. And, you know, I just, just love that. And I think it's, it's a natural thing to be someone's wingman and have people as our wingmen. What about Batman and Robin and the Lone Ranger and Tonto? They had their wingman. That's the one. Okay, now I just went... Right, I skipped a page. 
was, he, he was going to finish. You guys excited about that? But now, we, now we've found another page, so we're going to go a bit longer. What about the disciples? We had um, Peter and Andrew and then John and James. And Jesus walks along and he sees them there and he says, hey, come follow me. Now the thing that I like about this is it's two lots of brothers. Again, two lots of brothers that were fishing together, so they were were fishing as brothers. But then it says when when Jesus did the miracle of having all the fish and they had to pull them into the boat and there's too many, it says that they called their partners over. So these guys were brothers and friends together. And then Jesus says, come, leave your nets, follow me. And so they became ministry friends with Jesus. And it's like there is relationships that take us a long way in God because we team up with the right people. And so I think it would be fun. These guys hanging around with Jesus, they know each other well, but they're doing and experiencing life in a new way. And Jesus did all these great things. And so it's like it's just incredible to see that these two guys, or these four guys, became like friends in ministry. We had some friends like this. Um, we went through a sort of tumultuous 10 years probably at our last church. Uh, our, one of our pastors ended up burning out and uh, leaving her relationship. Um, and we had to look after the church as elders. Kath and I were elders at the time. And we had to um, look after the church for quite a few months. And then finally we had another pastor came in who was just going to look after the church for as long as we needed him. But he was more focused on getting things, all the ducks in a row really, not really into the community. And, and that was quite hard. And then we had... That guy moved on, and then we had this other couple came that had a real intense ministry, really intense. And uh, simultaneously for all this happening, these, this couple came to our church. And Kath and I said, oh, come around for lunch. They come around for lunch, and we could not believe the similarities we had in life. We had a blue Ford Telstar. They drove up in a blue Ford Telstar. They had a barn-style house. We were building our barn-style house. Actually, their house is Robin Yolanda Tatum's house. So we go back there now, and it's like, oh, I know this place. And then, and then the, the, the wife is into arts, crafts, and all that sort of, you know, flea markets and all those sort of things. Calf's into that. Hallelujah. You know, isn't it good when you find these couples that actually match you? Then you don't have to do the flea markets with your wives, guys. Yeah. <laughs> then we found out that the guy was into hunting, and he was really experienced. And so, oh, this is good. And so he taught me so much about not walking and using binoculars. It was so good. Because we just, yeah, spook and shoot. You just walk until you bump into something. And tell you what, you can walk a lot of kilometres doing that. And then, then we were all into um, walking and kayaking and lakes. And, and it was like this. They, they became like our, our wingman couple. We went through hard season but we had this couple that we could do it with. And then, then one day they said, hey, look, we can't do this anymore. We're going to be leaving the church. And it's like the air came out of our tyres. It's like, oh, you're kidding. You're kidding. At this point, we had quite a few people, a, lot of our, you know, a good bunch of our friends and even some of our family had left the church. Uh, not that it was a bad church. It was just that it was pretty intense. And, and then now we were left. We were leaders. We, we couldn't go anywhere. And, and it was really tough. But this, this couple here hung in there and supported us through that tough times, all those tough times. And now they were leaving. We lost our wingmen. And subsequently, it wasn't, it might have been a couple of years later, we, you know, we ended up moving on too because we felt that our season had finished there and God had a new season for us, which was here. We also have another couple of friends that, um, it was interesting enough, they went to that church and became part of it as we were leaving. But now we've made a significant friendship with them. They've been pastors in Kaikoura for 30 years. Uh, they're 10 years older than us. 
but they're into what we're into. Outdoors with the guy, flea markets with the girls. And it's like, what an encouragement. You know, for me, it's great to be able to bounce ideas off him and thoughts off him and things off him when we're going on trips, when we're in the truck, because it's, it's just like we've got this wealth of experience that I can draw from. And now I feel that they are part of our support team. They're, they're our wingman, wingwoman. So we have a responsibility to watch out for each other. And if you haven't experienced that, I'm sorry about that. And if you have experienced, you know, being let down or dropped or, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not a nice place to be in. And, and uh, there's a place of restoration from that. I see Dre as maverick. He's not crazy, is he? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and which makes me rooster. But it was like the first time we walked into the, the church here, um, first Sunday I came by myself um, and I saw Dre and Hannah and I talked to them both um, for some reason I'd, and it sounds a bit I don't know arrogant I suppose I don't know to say that I could see myself being their wingman not that I actually figured that out on the day it was only as it unfolded that it, yes, that's what I felt that's what I felt the first time it's like this young couple I can, I can be their wingman um, I, can, I can add something to this fellowship not that I said that to myself but I felt that in my spirit and you know it wasn't too long after that that you know I was asked to be an observer on the eldership team and I think six months in I was elder another two years I'm a pastor and and it's like but I felt something in the initial interactions that that I could be the best wingman for this young couple right now they don't need me now because there's got a heap of you other guys and if I came in now, it could be quite a different situation. But for that time, I knew that I could be a help. And so Kath and I came in and we served as wingmen for them. Can I have the music team up, please? It says this in John thirteen three. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. When we support each other, when we love each other and I can honestly say that you know we we have an, an eldership of there's five at the moment we have a staff meeting of 10 or 12 or whatever I can honestly say that we have each other's backs it is the, it's the best privilege ever I've ever had CAF's ever had to be in a church that is, has such a a caring aspect and each other back you know protecting each other's back attitude it's so good it's, it's been quite freeing for us. And I think what's freeing in a leadership becomes freeing in a fellowship. So who's your wingman? Your wing person. There's probably more PC these days. Uh, the wing, like you can't say fisherman. You've got to say fisher person. Oh my gosh. Help. I'm drowning. Who's your wingman? You know, who, who do you know that is actually helping you? Because those people are really important in your lives. It's really important to have people that, are, that you know they're giving you what you need as well to keep going. And if you're leaders, there's one, one, one leader, um, pastor said one time, he said, um, you know, it's lonely at the top. You know, when you become pastor, it's lonely. And I'm like, what? Why do we make it that? Because I believe if we, if we 
at the top and we're lonely is we've failed to take people with us on the journey. And that is, is my commitment today. I've seen it. I, I'm not lonely. I'm a pastor. I'm not lonely. Look at you guys. How can I possibly be lonely? And there's, there's a wrong theology. I've heard others say that too. It's lonely at the top. So make sure you take people with you. Then it's exciting. So, you know, I like going hunting by myself because I don't have to wait for someone else to shoot. But I tell you what, I enjoy it more when I take other people with me. Because when you get to the top, all sweaty and beefed out. Oh, Owen there, he, he went to the top of the mountain with me just recently and um, I was grunting and he was just ambling behind me. I thought, I'm glad he didn't try to go past me because I probably would have pushed him off a cliff. He's too blimmin' fit. But anyway, we take people with us, otherwise it's not worth it. We can't do this alone. And it's like, I guess my encouragement today is, who are you got going with you? The friendships you're making and the, the areas of the church that you're serving in. You know, like we, we have issues with packing crew having enough people to do it, to do this. Here. Tell you what, you can have fun doing this. You know, you, you can be involved in this here, you know, one Sunday a month or whatever it is, and have fun doing that because you're actually, you're actually um, being a wingman. You're actually supporting the lead. You're supporting the church by doing this job. That was free. Okay, I got some quotes. Alone we can do so little. Together we can do so much. Talent wins games, but teamwork wins championships. Yeah. We rise by lifting others. The strength of the team is in each individual member, but the strength of each member is in the team. And the last one, individually we one drop, but together we are an ocean. Can we stand please? going to sing the song and this morning I, I, was, I was wondering where to go with this but it's like if something's resonated, resonated within you this morning it's like you'll know if it is if something's stirred within you it's like I know that I am built for more than this I want to step out of the shadows and I want to support someone because often in the support we become the lead if you feel that there's something that is in you that is resonating that, that there's more going on and I want to step into that. I want to be more encouraging. I want to be more supportive. I want to be more helpful. You start there and you don't stay there. You move on to there into greater things. God looks at the heart. And he looks at who's connecting heart level. And then he promotes. So let's sing this song. And if, if you're feeling something along those lines this morning, I'd love you to respond. We'd love to pray with you because we just love doing that. But welcome on up. Thanks, guys.